0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our weekly episode of Dirty Talk After After Hours. hours. (laughs) I'm TC Rollins. And I'm Rain DeGray. And we do this every week. If you're only hearing every other one of these podcasts, because this is an even-numbered episode, those go on our regular feed, and all the odd-number ones go on our Patreon. So if you want to hear every single episode of this After Hours podcast, go to patreon.com backslash Podcast, and you will find them there.
1: Booyah for your listening pleasure. I'm going to do a quick catch up of my week because I actually had a pretty busy week this week and I have worked previously with Mystery Box Theater which is a live Sexy Time storytelling series. And they are launching a new series called Sex People, where people that are sex experts, such as myself, will sit in a panel discussion and discuss certain topics. And I filmed for them this week. It was really enjoyable. We actually got over three hours worth of content. I don't know what the final edited product will be like, but when it is released in the wilds of YouTube, I will get some links up. And I also competed in the Dirty Talk Game Show, which is a monthly Dirty Talk Game Show, obviously.
0: No affiliation with anything that we are doing, except that you are a regular contestant on the game show.
1: Basically, I just have a very dirty mouth, and I'm good at using it.
0: Well, you are the multi-time winner of Dirtiest Mouth in San Francisco. So that is an honor in and of itself.
1: I have won a few times, and more than anything, it's just a lot of fun. And it is, in my mind, an opportunity to eliminate some of the stigma and shame we have around sexuality. If you hear people talking about these stuff, and they're discussing their real honest stories, and they're having fun with it, and they're doing it in a positive way, it helps unpack some of the stigma that we have around sexuality. And that is one of my core principles in terms of my education is helping people feel more comfortable about their sexuality. I, as an educator, have lectured at colleges. A lot of colleges these days are doing something called sex week. And if you're not Mm -hmm. familiar with what sex week is, uh, for our listeners that aren't, once a year, colleges will have something called sex week where they have a educational curriculum set up and they will have sex and educators and lecturers come in and discuss on a wide range of topics. I got booked to teach at both Harvard and Northwestern, and they were having classes on polyamory, uh, kink, non-binary stuff, uh, consent really valuable in my mind, valuable topics to be discussed.
0: I have been seeing a lot more colleges doing sex weeks. Yeah. There was one just a couple of months ago that were actually teaching about how to make money on OnlyFans. Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's some valuable education right there. Speaking of colleges doing sex week, there is a college that is taking it to the next level. Have you heard about this?
0: Sex on college campuses, does it happen? (laughs)
1: Ah, oh, you're funny. Uh, it does happen, but this isn't just sex on college campuses. It is a sex dungeon.
0: So a sex dungeon on a college campus.
1: Penn State, which is a pretty reputable college in Pennsylvania. I've heard of them. I recently read an article about the very first sex dungeon that is being erected on a college by Penn State.
0: I am certain that that is not the first nor the last thing to be erected at Penn State, especially with the sex dungeon now on campus.
1: <laughs> Hell uh, no. Actually, as a matter of fact, it is a satire. I want it to be true, um, but it sh- it should be true.
0: Sadly, so many things in this world should be true, but are not. I read The Onion all the time. I say, why isn't this the thing? but it's the onion.
1: No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Listen to my pitch, my friend. All right. You might think, why would I possibly send my kid to college and have them go hang out in a sex dungeon? What could be the the possible point of that?
0: What would be the possible point of that? I mean, people do send their kids to college and it's expected that they're just going to drink and have sex and not really learn much anyways.
1: Well, they get that valuable degree. Here's the thing about hanging out in sex dungeons is that we have a lot of shame and stigma attached to our sexuality. And the fact that universities are having sex weeks, I think, is really good. It's it's something that there should be more of. There should be more open, honest, clear communication around our sexuality. Consent should be something that is more talked about and established.
0: Consent has been a huge topic on most college campuses.
1: But relatively new. Yes, it is a huge topic, but it is a topic that we are just freshly starting to have. For most of human history, we've had to deal with men are the aggressors, women are the ones that are pursued, like you people get hassled for sex, like their consent has not been talked about in terms of sexuality, not like it is now. And actually having a dungeon, a percentage of people are born kinky. It's just how their brains are. And if you start establishing patterns of consent, communication and negotiation at an earlier age, you're saving future trouble and miscommunications, the sooner that we get this stuff figured out and the sooner we have open, honest, clear dialogue about it, the less stress that you're going to have in the future. I say there should be more BDSM sex dungeons in college campuses because there's no better time to get that dialogue started. Put down the beer and start talking about sex and consent in an honest way. And a very effective way to do that is by building sex dungeons.
0: I wish we had one in our student union building, but alas, (laughs) we didn't. We just had the pub.
1: (laughs) Not quite the same thing.
0: Not quite the same thing.
1: Speaking of kinky-ass shit.
0: You mean we're going to talk about kinky-ass shit on this show?
1: (laughs) We are, and we're going to talk about Elon Musk.
0: You know what? When I look at him, I do see somebody that probably gets a little freaky in the bedroom. In <laughs> fact, we did talk about Elon Musk's safe word not too long ago.
1: Indeed. His safe word is Bitcoin.
0: I wonder if it's Doge now, now that he's all in on the Doge.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Safe words can be updated, just like passwords, as the need may arise. Um, I, I He... Probably is into some kinky shit. He likes smoking pot. He's had a lot of kids. He obviously likes banging. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little freaky.
0: He dates a waifish pixie musician.
1: He does. She's very. She's very wafish. She Grimes looks like she's twelve. Speaking of Grimes, that is actually the interesting news tidbit that I am bringing to the table this week because. I happen to enjoy both Brooke Candy and Grimes as musicians. And they collaborated on a song together. And in this song, Brooke Candy is wearing this absolutely iconic silver metal space age sex robot, one of a kind. You've never seen a costume like this. And she and Grimes work together. And in this music video, Grimes is very Elfin and 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 Pixie and Wayfish, and then Brooke Candy is just bapping this massive pink hair and huge platforms and the silver outfit. I don't know how close Grimes and Brooke Candy are these days after the project they worked on. Maybe not so close after Brooke Candy's newest project.
0: Which is
1: an NFT of her in her iconic silver outfit walking Elon Musk on a leash on his hands and knees like a dog.
0: Wait, wait, let me correct you with that on his hands and knees like a doge.
1: <laughs> yes, like a doge. Um I've been doing a lot of research about NFTs, as you know, and I keep trying to put it together in some way to make a deeper podcast.
0: I've tried to explain them to you. I'm,
1: I'm <laughs> Yes, you've tried to explain it to me. Where I uh, get hung up on the NFTs is not only the environmental impact, but the fact that all they are is a multi-million-dollar trick of human psychology, where humans need to feel exclusive. They, they—it's mm-hmm. so important for them to be the first to de-virginize something, to break something in, to have it exclusive, to have them be the only one.
0: Climb a mountain, visit the North Pole.
1: Right, I first me here. I get seventy-two virgins. You know, it's this this throbbing your rational need for exclusivity, as far as I'm concerned, is what these NFTs are trading on. And it's digital art, but it's mine. It's my, it's my, my digital art, mine. So I'll pay $60 million for, and then what, you bring up your phone and you like show it to people and you're like, I paid $60 million for this thing. Well, you can look at it. I can see it.
0: Well, everybody can look on it. It's yeah, online. I'm you can right. find it.
1: Like what is the
0: But you do you are paying for the exclusivity. You are paying to be the first because your your name will go down in the blockchain for all time as the very first <laughs> owner of that NFT contract.
1: Right. So I would say that I, 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 that's my issues with the, with the NFTs is I think it's, it's, it's a tax. It's a penalty. You have too much money. You don't know what to do with it. You need to feel exclusive. You need to feel as if you have something special, it's ego. And it's, you're paying a $60 million tax on your ego to say, I'm the only one that has this NFT, not to slam on Brooke Candy because I like what she does. And I think that her NFT that she released, she's actually going to release a series of them, but the one with Elon Musk is the first one. As far as I'm concerned, what sweetens the deal a little bit is you don't just get the Elon Musk as a dog. I want to, I want to be your doge. But she's also sending out a custom-made silver outfit fitted to your size.
0: That's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad I didn't buy it. That would be a fairly large outfit if I bought it.
1: If you had made the winning bid for Brooke Candy's NFT of Elon Musk as a doge, you could get the silver outfit and it would be custom made to your measurements. And I'm sure that you would look stunning in it.
0: I would. I would rock that. Rar. Just on a random Tuesday night.
1: It's it's very drafty and air conditioned. It's I it's like pieces glued. There's a lot of space happening.
0: I'll have to look at it. Do you think it would give me ample ball cleavage?
1: I uh, yes. It, so amp the amplest of the of the testicle cleavage you would have. But first nice. you have to win the NFT. Ah,
0: I'm, I'm, so I'm out of the running, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> that was my news for the week. What do you have for us?
0: Well For this week, I am going to be discussing drugs slash altered states, something we are fond to discuss on this podcast.
1: We have discussed them once or twice. It's true.
0: There was a fairly high profile celebrity death that happened this week. Do you know who passed away?
1: Would that be the legendary, the one and only DMX?
0: Well, you would think if I'm talking about drugs and somebody dying, it might be DMX, but you would be wrong. I am talking about Prince Philip. Uh, what does he have to do with
1: drugs? I don't think he's a well-known user of the drugs.
0: He is not. However, were you aware that there is a group of people that worshipped him as a living god?
1: I had vaguely heard something about that a little bit but it seemed ridiculous and I didn't look into it too much. It's something to do with like uh, Greece, right? He
0: was No, no. So on the island of Tana, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, T A N N A, which is part of Vanuatu, there is a group of people the Yao Nanen that believe that he is, or was, a living god. The way they explain it, there was this volcano warrior that had been born on their island, but then left the island to go and find a rich, white woman to marry. They explain in their legend the reason why he is not black... Like they are on the island, is because he got dragged over a coral reef which shredded away his black skin and turned him white. The spirit went and married Queen Elizabeth when the Queen and Prince Philip visited Vanitau in nineteen seventy four one of the chiefs from this island was in a canoe to welcome their yacht. They saw Prince Philip up on the yacht. And this chief is quoted as saying, I saw him standing on the deck in his white uniform. I knew then that he was the true Messiah. (laughs) So they have been venerating him since 1974 as a living God.
1: So they must be pretty tore up if God died this week.
0: Yes, they are pretty tore up. The way they celebrate him is they have these ceremonial rituals with music and dancing, and they drink very powerful kava. There is your drug tie-in. So Prince Philip is not the one doing any drugs, uh, but they do a very powerful kava thing. Not to get drunk, but just to kind of commune with the spirit.
1: Well, once you have enough kava in you, it makes total sense that Prince Philip is God. Yes.
0: Yeah. They are saying that maybe now the lineage will be passed on to Prince Charles. I don't know if they're going to start venerating Prince Charles as a living God. They do have some religious relics on the island from Prince Philip. When he found out about these people basically worshiping him as God, he decided to send them a signed photo of himself. (laughs) Which, in return, they sent him one of their ceremonial pig killing clubs. <laughs> he appreciated them sending the pig killing club. He took a picture with that and then sent that picture of him holding the pig club <laughs> to them, which is now another religious artifact of the people there.
1: Wow, that wow i I'm a bit of a of a history buff i do follow the royals uh, there's a lot i know about english royal history i didn't know any of that you just blew my mind that's why did it take them till 1974 to decide he was a god because i've seen pictures of prince philip as a baby he was born on a kitchen table like he was he a god then or was he born as a fetus is i'm having some like with many religious things, I have a lot of questions and I feel there's some plot holes in the theology and plot holes big enough to drive a truck through, frankly.
0: But it- There's plot holes big enough to drive a truck through in every yes, theology. I'm just saying. But according to these people, his spirit was the spirit that was originally born in the volcano and was a strong warrior and then left the people to return triumphantly. With a rich white woman, which I suppose Prince Philip did. He landed one of the richest and most high-profile whitest of women.
1: Worked out quite well for him. Uh, We have covered a number of obscure religions here on the Dirty Talk podcast. As I recall, we did one not too long ago about the religion of big butts. It's
0: Mm, Buddhism.
1: It's an ordained religion. There's a minister. They've got a whole theology and big butts, basically. But it's, you know, you can make a religion about anything tuna fish sandwich, I guess, if you wanted.
0: Flying spaghetti monsters.
1: They have the church of Kurt Cobain.
0: Following on this topic of altered states, since these natives like to enter an altered state to venerate their once-living god, Prince Philip (laughs) of England, the Duke of Edinburgh. A new study has recently come out in the Journal of Archaeology, Consciousness, and Culture. The Tel Aviv University archaeologists think—they're just throwing this out there—that ancient cave painters may have been stoned.
1: That would explain the art. What are they making the basis of this theory on?
0: One of the things that they are looking at is a majority of these cave paintings are located way down in these caves. They think it's a strange place for them to be creating this art because it's out of the way and not a lot of people would go down and see it. Some of them... Are incredibly difficult to reach as well. And if you think of the technology back then, they would have to go down there on foot with torches to light their way into these dark caverns. The reason they were tripping out down there was because of hypoxia, which is oxygen deprivation.
1: Right.
0: Essentially, they were going down into these caves since they had torches with them in these deep, dark caves. They were burning off a lot of the oxygen. Essentially, they were kind of doing breath play down there because hypoxia will lead you to this state of Uh euphoria and detachment. And a lot of people have claimed to have religious experiences when they reach this state. They are theorizing these ancient cave people went down there With their torches, since once they explored down there, they didn't know what was happening. So they attributed it to that location, that there might be something mystical about this space down here in the cave. Because suddenly they start having these different feelings. They're lightheaded. They feel kind of giddy. They're having these profound religious experiences. They go down there. They start painting, putting their hands on the walls. And that's why... A lot of these paintings are found in these lower chambers, uh, where there would be a natural lack of oxygen.
1: When we do any sort of research, we often find that the things that we attribute to being supernatural have a concrete scientific explanation. Like we covered with the Halloween podcast, where people were mm-hmm. having feelings of terror, and it was mold or w- sleep paralysis, and you're like, "Well, it's obviously witches and aliens. I'm being abducted." And it's not witches or aliens or God or mystical spirits. It's mold and sleep paralysis and oxygen deprivation.
0: Yeah. So our ancient ancestors were going down in caves, doing some breath play and getting (laughs) kind of high on it and then drawing a bunch of weird shit (laughs) on the
1: walls. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That checks out.
0: If you want to learn more about it, you can go check out that article in the journal The last thing I'm going to be discussing about altered states today, the very first double-blind, placebo-controlled study was performed with psilocybin. For those who don't know, psilocybin is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. They wanted to see whether psilocybin did have a direct effect on creativity Like has often been claimed where people will have psychedelic trips and say they have all these creative thoughts and all this new way of seeing the world.
1: People do often claim that after psychedelic trips, yeah.
0: What they did find, according to this very rigorous, scientifically controlled study, was that people did have an increase in their rating of spontaneous creative insight. So they were claiming that they had all sorts of new connections and creativity and, oh, it's opening up all these new ideas that I hadn't had before. However, when they put them through different tasks, along with the people that were receiving the placebo, they had a decrease in the task-based creativity by about 7%. So even though they were feeling like they were having this new inspiration and creative connections. They weren't showing any of that in the tasks. So it might not have any sort of creativity in the moment. I don't know if it's necessarily part of the impairment too, that they couldn't do the tasks. What I did find incredibly interesting was seven days later, after they'd had the psilocybin trip, they had a marked noticeable increase in the number of novel creative ideas. So they are theorizing that even though their creativity based on these projects they gave them in the moment where they were tripping might not have helped their creativity, it had a lasting effect after it wore off. They mm-hmm. did have more plasticity of thought. So there is some evidence there that psychedelic use can lead to long-term creative endeavors hmm
1: okay well science, science. yeah science
0: i guess we will just gonna keep having to take more psychedelics and just see if we get more creative and intelligent over time
1: <laughs> didn't uh, timothy leary try that and it didn't actually end up working all that well He wasn't doing it right. It worked Um, out
0: well for him. He he got fairly wealthy and well-known from all his tripping.
1: uh, Yeah. Dia got hassled a lot, and there ended up being uh, deaths and lawsuits and things gone quite awry. I remember reading uh, an article. A bunch of federal agents had planned to do a midnight raid of Timothy Leary's compound And they specifically wanted to do it under the cover of darkness. And they were stymied and unable to complete this raid because what had happened is everybody in the compound had decided to drop acid and then spent eight hours watching a film of a waterfall. So they were up all night. And the agents are like, We're not doing a (laughs) raid at three in the morning when everyone is tripping balls staring at a waterfall.
0: Is dead people watching their waterfall films?
1: (laughs) It is a true fact. That acid and an eight-hour-long waterfall film saved Timothy Leary and his followers from being raided by federal agents.
0: It seems like the kind of film Andy Warhol would produce.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's very I'm very Warhol influenced. I'm don't sure. Don't you get it?
0: It's waterfalls. Yes, it's eight hours, but it's waterfalls. Well, it's, it's, it's different every time you view it. <laughs>
1: I think that Warhol would do eight hours of the site of a building. He liked a little less nature and a little bit more man-made things.
0: He did. There we have it, our weekly roundup of all things psychedelic and mind-altering. Before we go, before you give these fine folks their jaunty salute for the week... My
1: fingers are up and ready. They're up. I
0: do want to thank our most recent... Member of our Patreon community, Jens John, joined on the Dirty Talk podcast Patreon. So thank you, Jens John, for joining us. And you are hearing this before anyone else because you're on Patreon with us. So thanks for being part of our community. We appreciate everybody that chooses to join us.
1: Welcome. I hope you enjoy your stay with us.
0: That being said, give these people a well-deserved jaunty salute, and we will talk to you all next week.
1: Over and out. Catch you all later.
0: Bye-bye.